On the Lollygaggers podcast, we trust neither eyes nor brains, but rather that lovely worn moon fella with the mullet and the furs and the sandwich bags filled with pharmaceutical wonderment. In this episode, Justin begrudgingly compliments Call of Duty's blackout mode, while Jeff gets his furry on as an anthropomorphic trader in Dale Emergence. Both Lollygaggers then break down Netflix's bizarre new comedy Maniac before ending with a gentleman's challenge. Welcome to episode number 26 of the Like Eggers podcast, a show about all sorts of different geek things, comics to games, movies to TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. I'm the one, Justin. How's it going, man? It is going, uh, it's going super, super, super great. Just got done playing some board games uh, with my my wife. So we need to hurry this along because we're in the middle of a little bit of a mini campaign and I want to get back to it. So let's uh, let's chop chop on this. Okay, good. sounds good. Sounds yeah. good. yeah, so uh, yeah, I want to start uh by talking about some sad news uh oh. that i learned oh no yeah you might have heard this um so we're recording this on the 22nd of september and i think the news sort of dropped yesterday um and there's some follow-up today telltale games uh makers of uh walking dead uh batman uh the uh what's it called the wolf among us which is like my favorite uh but also uh tales from the tales from the borderlands so there's sort of uh, kind of choose your own adventure, you know, type games where you're, you're constantly in conversation and you're trying to you know, solve problems, and whatnot. Looks like they are shutting down. Uh, so, what? yeah, there were reports coming out yesterday and it's all basically been confirmed. Um, but Telltale has confirmed that they've released, I think, all but 25 of their employees uh, as as of right now, which is something around 250 or so, according to an article I'm reading on a Rock, Paper, Shotgun. Um, so it's quite a few that have uh, that have been released, and it, and it doesn't look like they're going to be making any more games. Um, the specific details of like what they're going to do with any... Because like Walking Dead's not done yet, and they had, pro- they had talked about making... Um, a couple months ago, they had announced that they were going to be making The Wolf Among Us 2, and I'm super, I was super excited about that, but they're not going to do anything with it. I saw uh, one of the former employees of Telltale on Twitter uh, mentioned that like she was really excited to show people Wolf Among Us 2, but sadly, we're never going to see it because of this. So it's really, really sad. Um, I like their games. I didn't play them all. I've played, I played the first Walking Dead, but I never, I never really got into Walking Dead because of just the, the IP. But I played and loved The Wolf Among Us. I played and loved uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Those are two of my two favorites. I also played the Game of Thrones one, but uh, I felt really stressed. Uh, Maddie and I would play that at the same time, and she and I would tell us like with this issue, we kept making the same decisions, like even though we were playing it completely independently of one another. But she and I both talked about how it's just such such a stressful game. Like every time I made a decision, I'm like, well, I just I just killed somebody. Someone's gonna die. It's gonna happen. Um, but the games are really, really fun. I like a lot of those games these days because they don't require like a whole lot of uh, you know reaction time, and they're story driven. And I really like story driven games. Um, so it's kind of sad news. Did you ever play any Telltale games? Any of them? I did the Wolf Among Us. I did. Nice. I think the first chapter of it. I like it because I like the Fables comic. Yeah, I'm um, so tempted to read the Fables comic because of it. So we'll see. It's pretty good. the The, the concept is really cool because the idea of like. Um, you are it's like the fairy tale tale world has leaked into our world and that, you know, they all have to get their normal jobs and the book's really, really good. And it's, and it's a lot of mystery kind of like the wolf among us is it doesn't follow the story. Uh, at least the first, the first arc doesn't follow the wolf among us story, but it does follow uh, 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 BBW and 
and he, you know, you, his relationship with one of the little pigs and stuff like that. So, like, I really like that one. I should have done the Batman one, but I didn't do it. Yeah, um, well, I think maybe, the games, the the games the are still available. It's not like the games aren't going to be available, but um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but kind of sucks just from a consumer perspective. But like, if you think about it even further, it really sucks for the people who actually worked uh, for the company who are getting laid off. It's like, there's all sorts of stories coming out. People up on social media and some of the articles I've been reading. It's just a lot of the people who worked for the company were living paycheck to paycheck because it was in San Fran- San Francisco and it's like super expensive to live there and like people don't know what they're going to do now and some people aren't really getting severance and so it seems like a big mess um, from what I'm reading so that it just seems like a like really sad all the way around like just the way the game like the company seems to couldn't quite get it together like they talked earlier in the year they were trying to get on a different track and trying to like salvage the company in some ways but I guess whatever choices business decisions they made just didn't really pan out so it's really a shame and you know i hope i hope everyone who got you know laid off is able to find work soon and quick because there's some talented people uh, who work for that company and i would really like to see a lot of them uh who who made some of these games that i really love actually you know get to soon start making games again so that'd be really great so i just want to start off with that because i wanted to bring everyone down and get the yeah it's a good idea good idea um so that we can now build you back up all right, so Justin is going to go ahead and start doing that by talking about. Well, my dog died. So, <laughs> Brutus. <laughs> no, no, Brutus. No, oh, what happened? I shouldn't say that. You shouldn't uh, say that. He's that. like listening to you right now. Oh man, he's you can't. Right, he's literally right here, and he heard me say it. He, he's got like no energy. He he literally could be dead right now. You're not he sure. Could, I don't know. Do you like, ever do you ever look at Brutus just in like wait a second just to see if he's breathing? So I, do I, I I'm on. I honestly do that. I do that with Ripley all the time. Like before I leave, I always have like a little freak out where I'm like, I'm just like, um, is he dead? And then I'll look at it, (laughs) and he's not. But no, he's uh, okay. Okay, Good. Rider news. So anyway, for real, what? That was an awful joke. You're terrible. Go ahead. What are you? What are you really um, talking about? Me the. uh, I want to talk about this last week, but we did a little roundup thingy of the like, uh, uh, where have we been? Where are we going? Type of stuff. But uh, I kind of push it to this week. The Black Ops open beta for their uh, Blackout mode, which is their B- uh, Battlegrounds mode, came out. Right, right, week. yeah. And me, Gabe, I think it was Keith. I don't know. Uh, Ruben did, too. We all went on there and played it quite a bit. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. I don't like Black Ops. I don't like Call of Duty at all. However, because mostly because I think that, that first-person shooters have evolved since the old style of uh free-for-all or team versus team deathmatch stuff and i don't think call of duty has ever really evolved other than the fact they give like people jetpacks sometimes but i think adding these new little twists into it like using the stuff for like uh um what is it uh, uh this battleground mode is they also have like some search and destroy stuff that's reminiscent of like your uh, rainbow six siege and stuff like that i think it's it's making it uh, a much better little turn to the game so what's also great about it is the fact that it is a triple a title doing a battleground not a low funded group it is activision who's owned by blizzard and it shows it's a high quality product um the characters you play with are very athletic one of the reason i don't like PUBG a ton is because everyone seems so stiff you know um like the actual character models you mean well like getting through like windows and stuff seems so stiff and so slow you know what i mean sure yeah yeah, yeah. um that's one of the things i like about like fortnite because fortnite has a good model of like 
movement and stuff. But I just don't like the building and stuff like that. Um, well, Fortnite's this, like isn't that just that's it's taking kind of the the like the artistic approach, right? So they they get a lot yeah, more yeah, freedom yeah. than PUBG, which I think is trying to have like the realistic like, yeah, like, yeah. models. Yeah. But uh, I, what I like about Fortnite though is the the movement and your ability to get around and stuff. But this one uses the Call of Duty style, which is very athletic and it's it's very streamlined and fun. Um, it's easy to move. You can slide and stuff, and you don't slide like across the map. But you do like so. Like if you're like trying to dodge shots, you can jump and slide and do all different types of stuff. Um, like jumping through windows is super easy and stuff like that. Um, it's a first person shooter. I hate third person. That's why I hate Fortnite. I cannot stand third person. I I, I just don't like the way it feels, the way it looks. I I just don't like it. It's Call of Duty, but it's just a, it's a battleground. You can get traps. You can get all these different types of stuff. So like each character in the deathmatch version or like the search and destroy version has special abilities. Right. And so with them, like the one guy has a trap, you know, a tripwire. One guy has a hook shot. One guy has like a special sniper rifle that like uh, electrocutes people. So like what's cool about it is all these items and all these toys are available in the battleground, which makes it really fun. You can get like a remote control car, um, and on top of that, there's vehicles and not just like cars. You can get into helicopters, you can get into the boats, all different types of stuff. And there's a submarine you can get into. It's like all different. So it's kind of battlefield esque. Um, and it just puts a new fold in it. And it, I, I hate to give Call of Duty a, a, a praise, but I was, I was very impressed with this. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's treacherous ground you're you're starting to tread right yeah, now. I know because I can't stand Call of Duty and I can't stand what they've been making for years. But if this is just a single game that they can build on, and rather than just selling it sixty bucks every year, I think it would be a very good product, you know, because like it they have a lot of really good source material and, and it works really really well. I was I was very impressed with it, and I don't like Call of Duty at all. But when I was playing it with Gabe and Keith, I was like, man, this is. This is fun, and like all the guns have, they have recoil. It's not like actual Call of Duty where everything shoots the same. All the guns have recoil. Um, around the map, there are special golden guns that have everything already put on them, so you don't have to find pieces. I thought you said Golden Girls, and I got really excited. But they yeah, have, they have, uh, so they mind. have uh, uh, Betty White uh, mm-hmm. just hanging out in the hills, sure. and B. Arthur. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. So I, I really enjoyed playing it and I, all i hope is that they kind of have multiple maps and they build on it rather than just doing like hey you pay 30 dollars, you get the extended version with two extra maps like you know what ea does all the time so that's all i hope but we'll see um that was black ops uh blackout mode um it's supposed to drop probably november usually your black ops games or your call of duty games come out november to get ready for christmas season so that's what i'm expecting so yeah, there's that. I guess that's a little bit happier than Telltale folding. So there you go, buddy. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, so my next thing, uh, also kind of a little bright and peppy thing going on here. I want to talk about a game, a board game that my wife and I play uh, that we've backed on Kickstarter in the past, and that is up on Kickstarter again. Uh, and actually, I it's one of the games I would re- recommend for you and Chrissy, in fact, because it's a it's a fairly light game. It's got a nice uh, kind of bright theme. Uh, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty up and peppy, uh, and it's a game called Dale of Merchants, uh, which there have been, I want to say there's four games in this sort of universe, uh, but there are three games now that are this specific mechanic, like this specific kind of game, which is a deck building slash set collection game. 
they had a fourth game called Dawn of the Peacemakers, which is sort of set in the same world, but it's a completely different game. So there's Dale of Merchants, the very first, there's Dale of Merchants 2, and now there's the Dale of Merchants Collection, which is up on Kickstarter, um, and they're all compatible. Now, there are deck building games. Uh, so if you know what a deck builder is, uh, it's like throughout the course of the game, you're buying new cards that bring into your hand that use that uses various techniques and mechanisms. Uh, and then you're playing cards and that have these powers to get some sort of effect from them, right? Now, set collection, the basic principle of that, um, you know, it's sort of like you're collecting a series of similar cards for a particular reason. So the way the game is basically played uh, is that over the course of the game, you have to create stalls because everyone basically is playing as a merchant uh, within this anthropomorphic world of animal merchants. And so there's all sorts of different animals, all sorts of different merchants that are looking to sell and trade their goods at this sort of fantastical bazaar. And they're trying, the winner kind of gets invited to this really elite merchant guild. So that's sort of the theme behind it, right? And so the way that goes about doing it is that you're buying and you're selling and trading goods um, at this bazaar. And you're trying to get your stall set up in the most prestigious way possible before anybody else can. And, and this is represented in game by the sets that you collect and play to your stall throughout. Um, and so what I mean by that is that the game requires you to get in order um, a stack of cards and play them in front of you to where your quote stall is. You have to have a stack that has a total value of one. You have to have it then right next to it. You have to have a stack that has a total value of two. And then right after that, you have to have a stack that has a total value of three and then four and then five, all the way up to eight. And the first person that has a stack of eight with a value of eight wins the game. Now, in the game itself, there are a bunch of cards and these cards all have different values ranging from, you know, one to two to three to four to five or so. And like the idea is when you're ready to fill a stall with a stack, you put those cards together and they have to total exactly the number that you need and you place them in front of you. And now they're out of the game because they're part of your stall. And so you're constantly acquiring new cards and playing cards, both for their actual ability that's written on the card, but also just to fill the stack, right? So once you play them to a stall, you can no longer use them for their various abilities. Uh, now, the game has like a marketplace where every round new cards are showing up that you can purchase. And you can another way you can use the cards that you have in your hand is to use whatever value they are to purchase new cards, right? And so you're constantly gaining new cards, playing cards for their various actions and abilities that are written on them, but also playing cards to the stalls in front of you so you can actually meet the win condition of getting all of these different sets. And so you have to make all sorts of different cho choices about, well, how do I want to use the card this time? Or how do I want to use their card that time? You know, and, and usually if you're purchasing cards or if you're playing them for actions, they go in your discard pile, then you're cycling through your discard pile. Um, now, the game has so much wonderful variability and replayability because each game in Dale of Merchants has eight different animal decks that you can combine to create the pool of cards that you get to play within a given round. Um, the game is for, I want to say, two to four players. And what you do is you pick two animals, uh, or excuse me, you pick one animal per player and then an extra one on top of it. So Melissa, my wife and I, we play two player. And so we usually have three different animal types. And so there's all sorts of different animals. Like I said, there's there's literally eight from the first two games. And each, I can't remember exactly how many cards are in each deck, but the, the whole idea is you combine them together and those are the cards you're playing with. And that's what's in the pool. Um, so there's things like dwarf crocodiles, like from Dale of Merchants 2, there's dwarf crocodiles that have these dapper bowler hats. There's fennec foxes, there's snow owls, there's platypuses, sloths, and polecats. From uh, Dale of Merchants 1, you've had pandas and chameleons and flying squirrels. 
thieving raccoons, you have these macaws, you have these chaotic ocelots that add like a lot, a lot of randomness and luck to the game. And so based upon which cards you put into the game, like it's like a totally different game because you have different mechanisms that are coming to play. So um, depending on what you combine, you can have a very nasty kind of take that game where people are kind of thieving from one another um, or being kind of bullies, like with the crocodiles themselves, they can be kind of bullyish. Um, but then there's also like raccoons that steal, or you can be more about comboing. Um, so you can do, uh, you know, something else with like sloths, which have like these lot of delayed effects because like thematically sloths are kind of slow. And so they have these delayed power effects. Um, or you can have these weird, um, a lot of flexibility, like chameleons, for instance, they let you kind of mimic or copy the powers of other cards and games, the way that a chameleon can kind of like change their, their coloring. Um, so there's all sorts of different, each, each animal deck has its own, uh, special mechanism that, uh, tweaks the game in some way. And so you're constantly making these combinations. And since between the first two games, Dead Legends 1 and Dead Legends 2, we have 16, uh, decks, but we only play with three decks per game. Like we have so much variation. Like I, you're a math teacher. You can probably figure out the math, uh, but it's like, there's, there's so many amazing combinations. And if you don't want to play a game that's sort of mean and take that, just don't play with those decks. You can play with some of the other ones, you know? So there's so much customization into how you want to play. Um, the game doesn't take very long to play at all. It's a fairly short game. Um, we can usually get, we, we usually do is we usually play a couple couple games at once. So we'll sit down and we'll play. And it takes maybe 20 to 30 minutes or so to play a game um, for us, like max 30 minutes at this point because we're used to it. And so we can usually get like maybe two or three games in at a time. Often we do like best of three or something like that. Um, and then we move on and do something else or we're just done for the night, you know. Um, but it's a really good light game. It's not very difficult to play. Um, the rules are particularly easy, not just to learn, but the book itself, like the actual rule book for these things are really small. It's like three pages long. Um, the boxes are particularly tiny too. So if you get like Dale Merchants 1 or Dale Merchants 2. Now, specifically, this Kickstarter is adding eight new decks, some of which they're still deciding on because they kind of give some options to the to the Kickstarter backers and they ask us to vote on what we prefer. Like, I think we just did a uh, we just did a bird vote and I think they're announcing it in a couple hours, like sometime after we, we're done recording sometime on the late the 22nd of September. Um, but I know I think they've announced like the Tuataras and giant pangolins are new uh, new decks that they're adding new animal themed decks. So it's going to be something like 24 total decks now that we can play with. Um, it's also this Kickstarter is, is providing a bigger box, so it's easier to store stuff. Um, the first two games are these really tiny boxes, roughly the size of the exit games that you've played before in the unlock games, fairly similar size. Um, but, you know, this this is giving us a slightly bigger box where we can store everything together, which is kind of nice. Um, and it's also adding a couple new mechanisms because um, usually there's just like technique cards and passive cards. So passive cards are kind of obvious. There's a passive effect that happens, but technique cards, it's usually like you can use an action. So it's like maybe switching out a card or something like that, or maybe pruning your deck in some way. Um, so now they're adding character cards too. So like specific, some of these animals, these anthropomorphic animals actually have names now and they're going to kind of affect play in some way. Uh, so it's really, really interesting um, what they're doing. Um, now, I recommend it for you and Chrissy because it's 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 light, it's simple, it's I think it's a great entry point because it's a it's a deck building set collection game and these are two common mechanisms that you're going to run across uh, in in so many different games from really light games to really heavy games, and you playing uh, playing you know being a Magic player you're not you're not unfamiliar at all with deck building. It's not the same style of deck building. It's more like deck building in the middle of a game as opposed to like prepping your deck beforehand. Um, but it still has, it's like a lot of card base and it doesn't take up a whole lot of uh, space on the table. It's a very small, um, small real estate. 
Um, so it's really, really useful there. So if you don't really have like a big gaming table or if you just want to take it like on a trip, um, play it in your back seat with, you know, if you've got kids or something like that is another way to do it. Um, and it's also a game that's not particularly violent. So you can play it with kids if you want. I think it's totally accessible to a lot of different ages. Um, I, I really highly recommend this game, especially as like kind of an entry point. Um, now the Dale of Merchants, like on Kickstarter right now, is that it's quote called the Dale of Merchants Collection. It's it's all designed by Sammy Lasco. That's the name of the designer, the publisher. It's kind of like a of Underkin, kind of does it all himself. I think I think he's sort of a one man one man band there. Um, but the actual Kickstarter goes until the fourth. There are a bunch of different uh, levels you can back at. So for me, I'm backing at like the forty six dollar level because it's just giving me the new stuff and the new. Um, in the new box but like if you're a newbie you can back at different levels if you want like there's different combos if you want the complete set or something like that um, so there's options for that as well um, and if you don't want to back the kickstarter like the, the game you can find it out there like either dale merchants one or two and then they're not particularly expensive you know i think i would say that like probably give or take 20 bucks or so if you can find it um but it's you know sometimes these kickstarters are, are smaller number circulars you know they doesn't doesn't have as many print editions you know print copies uh, so sometimes it's easier to get these on Kickstarter, but highly recommended. It. It's a really, really fun, light game with a cool theme, um, super accessible for all ages. There's strategy to it, even though it's light and it's not too rules heavy. There's all sorts of little strategy from the strategies you can come to with combinations and stuff that you can play. And there's so much variability that it's it's really fun to explore kind of the different things you can do, the different combinations that you can come up with. So. Uh, this particular Kickstarter is going to deliver in May of 2019, so there's some time still, but uh, we've got about two weeks or 11 days, I think, left on the Kickstarter right now before it closes. Um, so if you're interested, definitely take, take a look. And I, I would show this to Chrissy because if you guys are looking to branch out from your, uh, from specifically your like, uh, you know, escape room in a box stuff to other lighter fare that could still work, this definitely, I think, fits uh, that mold for you guys. So you should def definitely take a look at it. Looks really cool. Oh, man, sounds good. Cool. Uh, I, I do look at I kind of like the art too. It's kind of mm -hmm. piratey and cute. And yeah, there's some pirates and stuff. Yeah, because like all of the all of the the animals have their own theme, right? They have their own kind of personality to them, and so there's like some there's some humorous stuff, and like some of the items that you get are kind of humorous as well. A little tongue in cheek there, um, but yeah, the art's really nice and colorful. It's bright. Everything's really high quality too. It's got good cardstock and everything. So like I can't I can't say enough about it. It's it's a game I kind of took a flyer on a couple of years back, and I'm really glad I did because um, it's it's the kind of the little the little game that could, you know, it's just like it just sort of sits on our shelf and we love it and we put, pull it out from time to time. We play it and every time we play it, we enjoy it and it ain't going anywhere. It's staying in my collection for a while. So uh, definitely recommend it. Uh, to add to uh, what seems to be a weekly update to World of Warcraft, here's another one, right? Uh, AFK. So... <laughs> They, I told you a while back that they were going to implement some type of like RTS model style gameplay, right? And so this thing yes. is called uh, Warfronts. And what it is, is basically every week you had to gather resources to open the Warfront. When you gather the resources every day, you can go out there and quest. I think it lasts for four days. And when you do that, every time you do it, uh, you can get um, just regular somewhat high level uh epic gear or it can proc and give you really really high level like titan forge stuff so basically how it works is this um you enter it's like a scenario it's you and it's you and 19 other people so it's 20 20 people in a uh, warfront 
And right now it's just a versus AI. There is no uh, PVP aspect to it. It will open eventually to PVP. But the best way I can describe it is like Alteric Valley mixed with uh, Arathi Highlands. Probably the best way I can describe it. So, and for those who aren't familiar with that, what that means, what, what does it actually mean? Uh, I know what it means, obviously, but it's a uh, capture point and resource gathering and uh, objective based uh, play. So, basically, how it works is you open up on your side and you're trying to get the horde out of your so it's, it's between Stromgard and uh, one of the new areas they opened up in Harathi Highlands. So it's in Harathi Highlands, and it's basically this giant new war area they created. And so it starts off with you trying to get them out of your base. Once you get them out of your base, you start taking over certain areas. So you, there's a lumber mill, there is a barracks, a circle of elements, there's a mine, and every time you take one of these places, you get a quest, and these quests or items, you can then turn in and, and get resources. So essentially, you you go to the mine and you you unlock the mine. Then you can just keep on killing things in the mine. A small group can go in there and just deal with that, and they just keep on gathering resources from the mine. You can go to the lumber mill and kill the things in the lumber mill, and slowly start over time. You know, you can even like chop down trees. Um, you know, like work, work, work that type of stuff. Um, then there's other places like the circle of uh, elements and other stuff like that. You take them over. They give you little buffs you can add to stuff. Uh, one of the places I liked was the farm. You take over the farm and you get a giant elephant you can ride on it and it's like a battle elephant. And you can, like charge through mobs and stuff like that. All the meanwhile, there is uh, fights going on throughout the field and also big mobs that pop up. And when you get these big mobs that pop up and you beat them, they then join your side. So the whole idea is basically take these things, kill these things, gather these resources, and eventually take over uh, the horde side and win. And when you win, you get uh rewards you get um as a right to go towards your necklace and you also get uh armor and stuff like that so it's interesting i feel like it needs to get tweaked a little bit but as a whole i think that they're on the right track with what they're trying to do the only problem i've been seeing a lot is people have been complaining because people love to complain about stuff that they didn't make about like the rotation of it the fact that it takes forever for you know, alliance to get it, and that you don't, you're not promised high enough gear. But like, if you, it's the way World of Warcraft is, they're going to take a while for you to get your, the stuff that you want. Like, if you don't like it, do it. Approximately me about how much time it takes for the next like big release content, content release to drop, right? Like, kind of in there. That's what they're. Yeah, to. and basically they they're kind of like they're doing what they always do. They they're kind of gating the content. You know what I mean? Time. Oh yeah, for it. sure, for sure. That's what, that's what they always do. Um, cause they're trying to make sure people stick around and also don't beat the entire game the first week. Like method just beat mythic, uh, the, the mythic, uh, raid in a week and a half. So like, and they did the world first, uh, mythic, uh, Cahoon. And so like, if you just ungate everything, everyone's going to finish everything in a week and then they'll be complaining about how there's no content. So you just can't please anybody, but like, well, I think that's the problem with theme park model. Like if like, like the theme park model is based so heavily on the idea of you want to finish these particular, these particular extravaganzas, these rides. And once you've completed the rides and gotten what you can from it, like, okay, well, where's the next ride? So I think one of the, one of the issues I think Warcraft, one of my, my great disappointments with like world of Warcraft is that, is that, is that they continue to do this model as opposed to try to create systems 
that where player can players can create that that content. And I think one of the the ways that does that best is like through sort of PVP modeling, you know, or um, through through player created uh, modding that we see in so many other types of games that sustains or builds new content in between releases. And like Blizzard just doesn't do that because they want to open up their code to allow people to mod it, and then they don't actually focus particularly heavily or don't know how to balance pvp when you have so many high level people that are doing raids and getting really good content well how do you compete with that you know so they've always had trouble with that and that's just the type of game it is and i don't think that's ever going to change because that would mean they're radically changing their model so you know well with these warfronts they're kind of doing something towards that because when you own the warfront then it opens up content for you to play with on your side so like when the alliance controls it they also get a world mob you remember how when you, we were doing uh, legion there's those big purple world mods you, mobs you can get with uh, your dailies right. and stuff so like you open that up over there and the horde can't get it but it's just you know it just is giving people turns to get certain stuff i think it's a step in the right direction to have more content it's it's eventually going to get to the point where you have to work hard to get it. You know, like you remember uh, winter grasp where you basically, if you owned winter grasp, then you can get the content of winter grasp. Yeah, you can go do that one raid or something on the inside or whatever it was. Yeah. Right. I like that. And they're going to kind of like work towards that type of idea where you're battling, gathering resources and maintaining this place. If you want to keep the buffs or the, or the stuff you get from it. So I think that's where it's heading in that direction. And I like that people just, that complain. would be cool. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that would be cool because it reminds me a bit of like back in the day, one of my favorite MMOs of all time is just Dark Age Camelot. And one of the things that they did um, is, well, first of all, I think Dark Age of Camelot had a better model in terms of self-sustaining con content because it was so PVP and RVR driven. And so like like the, the idea was like the players and the, and the constant war. So it wasn't so much about raiding, even though there were some raids, it was more about like the idea of relic raiding where you're stealing relics from other 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 teams basically um but one of the things that you also could do is you can control darkness falls now darkness falls with this really big um really big dungeon that had a pve dungeon but it was also pvp so like only the people only the realms that had access to it when like they control that particular area could get into it but if there were people left over in it from when it was changing hands there still could be fighting going on so um, that's kind of what Wintergrass sort of was. It's like, let's do a battle and then uh, somebody gains access to like the raid content. And that's pretty much what Darkness Falls was way, way back when. Um, so if they start doing that, that would be nice. The problem is, though, with World of Warcraft is that is scaling. Like no one really cares about that raid anymore in Wintergrass. Wintergrass was like, at least with the last one I played, it was a ghost town because like the content that you got from that raid the loot drops because everything was so loot oriented was like you, it was completely outscaled, not important. Right. And yeah, it's like when you're on the, when you're on the loot treadmill, like you have to somehow, if you're going to keep that, that particular method of like, let's control, let's fight over this particular point so that we can gain access to this dungeon or this area. Well, that dungeon or area has to remain, has to have some sort of benefit to it. There has to be treasure to it that doesn't get outscaled or doesn't get worn down or boring. Otherwise, it's still just a temporary fix, right? Like, it, well, this like is, it's I still think, just going to be temporary. I think this is the first start of many because they've talked about how this is kind of the beginning of it and the, this, the, the Battle of Stromgard is kind of like the, is kind of like the start of the war. And then it moves to like uh, Kelthalos, where all the the blood elves are, because you have Kelthalos, and you have uh, Gilmaeus, which has the uh, the worgen. 
So I think it, you know, they have all they're, they're really planning on kind of like moving it around. So like for me, it'd be interesting where it's like, okay, if you go to Stromgard, you win Stromgard, you get yourself a world boss. That's cool. You go to Kelthalas, you get yourself a raid. You know, you do different things. You go somewhere else, you get yourself a dungeon where you can do a mythic plus that only you can do when you control it, you know. If they kind of do something like that, I like that. It makes PvP more relevant, especially in the system they have now where you can PvP or not PvP, you know. You can decide to get in, and, and it evens out, it evens out like the, the numbers in servers. So, like, even if a server is heavy alliance or heavy horde, with the way they kind of do like their, their phase shifting and stuff now, it doesn't matter because you're going to have it evens out when you enter that war mode, you know. So, I, I think they're really trying to do something here, which I'm looking forward to. I'm not a nitpicker, people like to complain about stuff just because they want to complain. People love to hear people, love to hear people complain. I had fun with it today. I thought it was interesting and cool, and you know, it's a fun little experience. It, and they, they're going to keep growing it because they're going to have different areas. I know one they're going to do is the Lumber Mill and South Shore. You know, it's right there next to Rothy Highlands, which is you know that that just harkens back to Vanilla WoW. You just go with two giant lines across from each other. Terran Mill South Shore fights. Those were great. Those were, they were great. It's just you just have a hundred people on this side. 100 people on that side, no organization. Let's just. And then he had Wobbly uh, with his loincloth and two rolling pins yeah, yeah. in the middle of nowhere, beating up on newbies instead of you know, being part of it. Yeah. So, like, if they can kind of like do that, I think it'd be really, really cool. So, anyway, that's Warfronts. I think they're going to keep on building it more and more and get better and better. So, I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. What else you get? So, I guess the last thing, I mean, we probably both want to touch on this um, is captain marvel right like the the trailer came down yeah. this week yeah, 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 yeah. News. you know what i really love is i love uh i love the stuff that's been going on like for the last two or three days because there apparently there, there's been some like some just jerk bags which i don't is jerk bag yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with it jerk bags. that's something that's uh, something i'm gonna go with it uh, i guess people were saying that she needs to smile more which is like an absurd thing to say and so uh yeah a bunch of different people have been like photoshopping smiles onto all the dudes uh in the marvel universe which is hilarious i don't know i've been cracking it, i've been cracking up by it because like it's so i don't know so ridiculous that someone would actually say that yeah but it's even funnier uh to see the results of these these wonderful uh photoshopping but what do you think of the trailer um it's exciting to me um i'm not terribly familiar with with Captain Marvel a ton. I'm going to have to do my own little research. Like, I know who she is. I know how she got her powers. But I haven't really ever read a ton of her just basic storyline stuff. But looking at it, I'm excited because I really like the scrolls. And seeing her punch an old lady is pretty great because that's clearly yes. going to be a scroll. I was going to ask you, what was your favorite part of the trailer? Her punch an old lady. It's great. Right. For me, it's tough. It's Is it her her actually being in a blockbuster video? Or is it her personal <laughs> lady? Because, dude, I miss blockbuster videos, man. So I miss I going to like you know like on Friday or Saturday night and like like sitting there going through all the movies and picking out the movie. Like there was something to that that I, I feel sad that people of like the tw- like the students I have like are never going to experience that. They don't know it's like this don't it was cool. A Hollywood video, they don't know what that is either. Yeah. Hollywood video was even was even cheaper. So yeah, it was even better. But I missed yeah I miss them. Uh, but yeah, I thought the trailer looked really interesting. Um, I'm kind of excited in a bit uh, about like what Marvel might do in the future. Because um, I know we, you've talked about this before and about how there's there's going to kind of be a, a shift a bit after Avengers 4 because we're going to see, I mean, like a lot of a lot of people, myself included, suspect that, you know, certain folks are going to pass like with Captain, Captain America, probably maybe Iron Man, et cetera. And like, who's going to take over the mantle in terms of, 
like pushing the content every year. You know, Spider-Man with Tom Holland is going to be big because they got a nice young star in it. And I think that this new this new one with Captain Marvel has a chance. Brie Larson having the actual, you know, some some sort of uh, um, diversity in like the the heroes that we're showing, which is really really nice. Um, it's nice that Marvel is finally catching up and and having uh, a kind of female oriented, female dominated dominated uh, superhero movie, which is really nice to see. Uh, so I'm kind of excited. I'm sort of curious what they're going to go to next. Um, I mean, one of the reasons I'm excited too is because because of the very reasons you just said. I'm not familiar with Captain Marvel. You know, like I, I'm not, and I kind of want to see bits and pieces of it. I'm, gonna, I'm going into it completely blind because I don't really know anything about it. I'm not a Marvel, you know, superhero fan like like you know you are, but I don't really know anything about it. So everybody else, with the exception of Doctor Strange, I think I was super familiar with, and that kind of familiarity to me sometimes. It creates kind of a disinterest for me because I kind of know how it's all going to be and it's sort of predictable. So I'm kind of, I kind of like being able to go in uh, to this whole Carol Danvers uh, universe and figure figure things out. So I'm I'm pretty excited. And plus, you know, blockbuster video, good times. A few things I liked about the trailer was you got to see her like army outfit or I guess her Captain Marvel outfit where, with the with the helmet on, which mm-hmm. I really like the little mohawk look. I really like that look, especially in a movie. I thought it looked fantastic. Um, so that, that's a really cool look. Um, I'm really interested in seeing all the stuff of Samuel L. Jackson. I've got a feeling he's going to be in this movie quite a bit. And with the de-aging process, I think it would be very interesting how they do all that stuff. And they do a fantastic job with it. And with all the stuff in the preview. Well, Sam Jackson is pretty ageless to begin yeah. with. You know what I mean? He's looked the same way since coming to America. He literally is the same look, 100%. So. I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'd like to see kind of like a, a a Nick Fury kind of like origin story as well. You know, that's what I'm getting the kind of feel out of it on top of, a, you know, I guess to me, it seems like this is how he became the man on the wall. You know, like how did he realize that there's more out there than just, you know, regular people? Because like when Thor came, he knew stuff like that was coming. You know, he started the Avengers Initiative. Clearly, the whole thing had to start with something. Something had to get him going uh, with that type of stuff. So it's it's really interesting, and I'm looking forward to seeing where they kind of go with this. Plus, I think Brie Larson is going to do great. People, I've been seeing a lot of like complaints about her kind of look like bland and all the. Uh, I think it's more of like not a whole lot of people are as familiar with her, but yeah. I don't really care. Like in terms of familiarity or lack of familiarity, like in terms of the actor or actress, as long as it's like good, who cares? Like I, I don't care. Another thing I thought was really interesting too is this is the first character with actual like powers, powers, you know. I like that it's alien too, that it's like, you know, yeah. I always like those stories a little bit more than like the stories that focus on like, hey, we're in Metropolis or hey, we're in, you know, we're in Gotham. Like there's like a, you know, I like the universe ones, like Guardians of the Galaxy is one of the reasons yeah. I like it so much. And Thor Ragnarok, obviously. And, you know, the guy just that got like more beyond, which is cool. She's got like lasers that come out of her hands, which is weird. Sure. And I don't think. Oh yeah, because uh, lasers that come out of your eyes or some other place. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And no, that's that's more acceptable. People get that, you know. And also ice breath. Right. Sure. But like, I think it's interesting. <laughs> like, this is like the first character that does that. You know, Thor now has the ability to harness lightning and stuff like that. But still, that's like brand new. This is the first character where she's got like super super powered, and I I really hope that it does well because she seems to be the new face of what they're doing here in the future. So. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's it's they're introducing, I think, the you know, the kind of like they're they're getting the next wave in, the next gen. But what I like is that they're introducing a next generation without just recasting 
you know, the previous, like, I don't, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. let's continue the story. I'm, I'm totally cool with continuing the story with new heroes, not new actors playing the same heroes, new heroes. Like that sounds really interesting to me. And I'm super on board with that. Like that's because cool there's, there's so stories. much you can pull from. I know Cap and Iron are like, and Iron Man and Hulk and Thor, are the big ones, but there's so much out there. That's good that you can pull from. And part of me is kind of like, you know, what other thing takes place in the nineties, the new X-Men movie coming out. So maybe kind of, who knows? There might be something going on there too. I don't know. I'm just thinking maybe X-Men will come to there, but that's, that's getting way beyond what you know, we're talking about. All right. Anyway, we're done. We're done. We're going to move and we're <laughs> going to talk about uh, something else. Uh, we're going to do our breakdown for the week. It's the TV. Breakdown. Created by Patrick Somerville and developed and directed by Kerry Johi Fukunaga, Maniac is a 10-episode dark comedy now airing on Netflix. The show is loosely based on a Norwegian series of the same name, and it is set in kind of an alternate present, one where the internet doesn't seem to exist because computers haven't developed past like where they were in the 80s and where advertisements use uh, kind of a system called AdBuddy instead of what we traditionally know as advertisement, uh, which assigns a, a buddy to follow a person around, reading them advertisements over and over and then giving them money for it. Uh, permeating the world is kind of this, this general sense of disconnection where people uh, are as likely to use a proxy friend uh, to, to simulate friendship as they are to find true companionship. Now, Annie Landsberg is played by Emma Stone, and she's one of the stars and one of the main characters. She's an aimless New Yorker who wanders through this world, uh, unable to connect with anyone in her life since her sister went away. She spends her days overdosing on a new drug, uh, simply called and shaped as the letter A, uh, while her father, ha father has withdrawn into this kind of uh, outdoor hyperbaric oxygen tank because his wife abandoned the family. Now, alongside Emma Stone is Jonah Hill, who plays Owen Milgram, uh, who's the schizophrenic son of a powerful New York family currently pressuring him to testify and perjure himself to save his more popular brother. Now, all the while, he struggles with differentiating between uh, what is real and what is fantasy, seemingly convinced that he's being followed by a secret brother that no one else in the, in the family is aware of, who insists that Owen is a sleeper agent ready to be activated to save the world because the pattern is the pattern. Now, the strangers, Owen and Annie, meet when they take part in an intense and an experimental pharmaceutical study conducted uh, at times by the phenomenal Justin Thoreau. Uh, Sally Field, Gabriel Byrne, and Hank Azaria also play important roles as these disconnected and flawed parental figures. Uh, now, this at times strange and very funny and occasionally obtuse, but in the end, kind of touching series ends after 10 erratically timed episodes. We're going to talk about a bit, talk a bit about our first impressions, uh, and we're going to try to avoid as best we can pretty heavy spoilers. But as always, if you don't really want to know anything more than what I've already stated, it's best to skip forward now to the gentleman's challenge, uh, and you have been warned. Uh, so, with that note, Justin, what did you think of Maniac? So I didn't know much about this. I saw the previews, and the previews looked pretty psychedelic, to say the least. Yeah, 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 they did. Mm -hmm. And um. Going into this, kind of unaware of what's going on, I'm watching it, and the first couple episodes, uh, these are the notes I wrote down. Hold on a second. I wrote, <laughs> plain weird, alternate universe? Yes. Ad buddy, that's really weird. Yes. Uh, strange feel. What's going on? That's, <laughs> that's... Yeah. Am I too dumb? I wrote that down as well. 
did that have did uh, that have something to do with the show or is that just yeah, you know well in general like am i just yeah, dumb? Sure. Uh, and basically, uh, I had some other stuff, and then I watched a couple more because you talked to me and said, How many did you watch? I said, Two, and you basically said, Watch. I kind of browbeat Justin into watching yeah, more because yeah, yeah. my wife and I completely got obsessed with it. And I'm glad you said last night and three this morning. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% glad that you did because once the second two episodes I watched came through, I was like, Emma Stone is amazing in this. Oh my god, dude, I know Jonah Hill's unbelievable in this. The cinematography is beautiful like some of the shots they do some of the 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 set designs just so great so let's make a point quickly because let's because you made a i think you make a really good point about the first two episodes because the first two episodes focus on learning about the two main characters and what they're currently going through in their lives in a kind of a disconnected way they're not really connected with one another and they haven't joined this pharmaceutical study yet. And both of the first episodes are, are, are some of the longer episodes um, because there's some episodes in this uh, in this entire series that are 26 minutes, 30 minutes long. But the first two are around 50, give or take. And the first one and the second one have to deal really with these very long, drawn out and establishing uh, episodes of who these people are, who who is Annie Landsberg and who is Owen Milgram and what are they currently going through? And it's all kind of depressing in a way. But yeah, it's really it's, sad. Yeah. And it's also establishing like this alternate present, this idea like this is present day and it's set in New York uh, predominantly. And there's weird stuff like the ad buddy is one of them. There's friend proxy, which is where you can hire a friend to come hire somebody to come and behave like a friend so that you don't actually have to have any real friends or something like that. You also can legally blackmail somebody like you can actually go to a blackmail uh, company uh, and just blackmail them. It's pretty awesome. Um, There are these little tiny uh, trash trucks that wander around the streets that are automated and pick up dog crap, uh, which is wonderful. Uh, So there's all sorts of these weird kind of science fiction-y elements, like these quirky little bits and pieces that make this just kind of stand out as really strange. And And it's not just those things that are strange. It's sometimes just the way in which the characters are interconnecting. Like, you watch the scene right where um, where Jonah Hill's character Owen has to go to his to his uh, parents' place where they're all like singing together. It's like some yeah, it's so it's weird, so weird. Like it's just like a group of grownups, like 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 it's like a fraternity or something like that. And they're like like from the 1940s or something, wearing sweaters and singing something. It's just so odd. It's just so strange. Um, so it's really kind of hitting you and trying to get you situated, uh, I think, for what's to come. Because looking back, Justin, those are the two most normal episodes that you're going to have to yeah. play with for the rest of the series because it yeah. gets crazy, man. It gets crazy because we get AIs with depressing pro- depression problems. We get like Justin Thoreau's character and his problem with Sally Field, his mom, is just bonkers, right? Uh, it's it's insane, and then we just start getting in their brains, you know, and we start going through these weird kind of dreams, dreamlike sequences, or subconscious exploration, unconscious exploration. Uh, it's really, really, really weird. But the first two, yeah, I mean, in in some ways, are the most normal. But when you watch them, they're definitely not because they're not normal, and there's lots of weird things that happen. But they're really just sort of setting up what's going to come later. So yeah, they do a really good job of creating the tone of or in the setting of what's happening of where you are, what's going on, like the, the, the world that you're in. But man, at first I was like, what, what is this? Where are we? And what time in the world is this ever happening? I was just really confused. 
But now, now you look now when you I got into the second two episodes, you kind of see, okay, now I see what's going on. And what really sold me was the fourth episode. And they finally get into like what happened after they take their second drug, after they take B, and you kind of like see right. how the process. So the basic the basic pharmaceutical study, by the way, is that they're going to take a three step pharmaceutical series. There's going to be there's going to be the drug called A that a group of the in, the in the study takes, and then they do some things, some tests, some interviews, and then they take B, which does something else, and then they take C. So like A is supposed to kind of identify, yeah, like or, or draw out like one of your worst memories and stuff like that, because the whole idea. Uh, of the study is that it's trying to identify and destroy your defense mechanisms and like solve or fix you and make you a better person so as to eliminate the concept of therapy right of like psychological therapy right and so they're taking over the series of a couple days these different these different pills so yeah go ahead continue sorry so like you kind of get a feeling as to like you see why emma stone's the way she is jonah hill's character comes up with a fake a story that he said he took because he said he took the drug, but then he didn't. And then he kind of came up with a story to tell them. And that story is just so deep and dark and depressing. And then you finally find out the actual thing that happens when he takes the drug. It's almost even worse. And it's just like, it's, it's really interesting. And then when they take, so it kind of brings up their, their worst memories, their worst times of their life. And then they bring in the second one, the second drug. And I've only seen the one where it's, where it talks where it goes into Emma Stone's life, but it then kind of like explores what it seems to do is it explores from what I'm gathering from what I see so far, the B drug explores who the people were that affected their lives so poorly and kind of gives right. a, a rationale to why they were the way they were. So they have a better understanding as to the events that occurred to make their horrible situation happen. I think that's, that's pretty close. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a mixture of, of like the like the mind's fantastical uh, way to construct uh, this narrative to make sense of some of the things that have uh, that have caused or have contributed to this this negative moment, right? Like so, it creates this fantastic fantastic little like subconscious sort of basically a dream. And so, so you saw the episode where they were they were Long Islanders. Yeah, and, he had uh, he had he's the warm moon, moon jersey on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God. Emma Stone can do the Long she Island was great. accent. I'm having flashbacks. My whole like my whole family's from Long Island, so I was like having flashbacks, man. Like to like, like just her her character during that sequence was fantastic. It was so good, and like they're trying to deliver a lemur, a lemur, yeah. Wendy. And it was just, it was just really interesting that like they reused characters that she saw. Like I'm pretty sure every single person right. in that and thing was too. someone. Yeah. Someone that she had seen personally, because one of the thugs that worked for the guy at the coat store was the guy who was trying to connect with people at the table that they didn't really understand what he was talking about, you know? Right, exactly, yeah. And so it's like, it's really interesting how they're doing it. So it's clearly a dreamscape that they're in and that they're, they're exploring memories that they have because they can't generate stuff from thin air. They have to come up with uh, memories that have already been planned there by whatever stimulants have already right. happened in their life. And we should so, point out, by the way, that there's an AI called Gerda uh, yeah. that, that is doing all of this. So not what only the hell is, is that? It, yeah. So there's an AI 
that Justin Thoreau's character and um, Dr. Fujita, uh, who's a, another character who's, I can't remember the actress's name, I'm sorry, uh, but she was like Crazy Rich. She's from Crazy Rich Asians. Um, but the the two of them sort of developed uh, together uh, this idea of creating this AI that can kind of function by probing these minds. And so like they're sh like the AI Gerda is just sort of controlling and, and fabricating and creating these narratives inside their heads, which is like bonkers. Right. So. And on top of that, like it has feelings and it's really weird. And uh, Justin throws character, how they introduce him is just so, <laughs> so graphic and strange. <laughs> It's so great. I, I like it's great. just it's great that VR porn still exists despite the lack of an internet, except it requires the use of floppy disks. And when yeah, I say and, floppy and, disk, I mean old school floppy disks. I yeah. don't mean like the hard disks from the 90s. I mean the old school, like was it three by five? I can't remember even the yeah. size, it's been so long. So yeah. Oh my goodness. And her oh gosh, the princess of Atlantis. That's so good. I love that guy. Justin Thoreau, by the way. It's like my one of my favorite actors. He's he was in Leftovers. A lot of people like Patrick Somerville, who created this. I think he worked on Leftovers for a while with Damon Lindelof. Uh, so it uh, definitely was was in my wheelhouse to to begin with. Um, so where did you end up? Like, what, what was the last thing? Is that the last episode you saw? Because I've 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 finished it. Like, I watched all ten. I finished them this morning. I just couldn't help myself. Um, did you finish up on the Warren Moon episode? Yeah, that was my last one. I enjoyed it a lot because I thought it was just so bizarre and strange. Um, I thought it was really interesting and weird. Uh, I just I, weird, I, I really liked it. And the other thing I'll say, and one of the things that really I really enjoyed about it is that I like you know I like sh I like shows that are comedic and I like shows that are you know dramatic and exciting and stuff like that. But like. I really enjoy it when shows are able to do a lot of things together. You know, when there's moments of serious drama compared, you know, combined with like moments of kind of this bizarre humor. And then also, honestly, episodes where there's a bit of excitement and, you know, and, and, and kind of a thrill going on. And I, I really felt that in here. Like I felt like I was shifting gears a lot. And it was because I'm sort of a cynical person, but there were moments when I felt like kind of touched by some of the things that are going on. Because really, these are discon these are people with great great difficulty finding connection in the world. I mean, both of these main characters, Emma Stone's character and Jonah Hill's character, between you know, Annie and Owen, like they have such trouble for different reasons, obviously, but uh, and in both very serious and, and, and troubling reasons that are very difficult to deal with. But like they just have disconnection, trouble with their family. They have uh, kind of weird family lives that, that aren't quite fulfilling what they need to fulfill. They have trouble finding friends, finding relationships and stuff like that. And so it's sort of sad in a way that these people are, have been driven so much to this this really desperate um, this you know desperate study because Owen gets there because he's fired and he needs money and he's feeling pressured by his family and stuff like that and being threatened by his family uh, essentially uh, to make sure that he testifies and to do something he doesn't want to do and you know and Annie is like debating leaving and not leaving and doesn't really have a job doesn't really make money and you know all sorts of different things so underneath it all like there really is sort of a touching heart you know like heartwarming message is probably not the right word but like i just really like that i could connect or at least engage and care about like what happens to them like i really was rooting for the two of them to have good things happen to them or find some sort of peace or you know have some sort of success despite the fact that there's so many crazy things there's all sorts of fires that are happening all over the place that don't even make sense at times um but underneath it all like it was a character driven story despite all like the ornamentation 
from the weird humor and the kind of retro sci-fi that's going on in some cases and a lot of the bizarre nature of, of some of this comedy. So I really like that there was there was there's something underneath there's something of substance beneath it. It wasn't just all just for, you know, shits and giggles, you know. One of the uh the things that I liked a lot, one of the ones that hit home for me pretty good was when she was describing why she keeps taking the A drug, right? And she says right. it's the worst moment of her life. She can never forgive herself for it. And she she hates thinking about it, but she gets to see her again. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding right. me. That's hitting so hard to home. <laughs> like I, I understand it a hundred percent. Cause I have one of those moments too. And sure, sure. Yeah. I would I would do that no matter how it hurts, but I would I would do it a hundred percent. And it's just like it's nuts how how real that moment was for like me. So I thought it was really, really interesting. So uh, I highly suggest it. I'm going to finish it as soon cool. as I can. Um, I have an open day on Monday because my wife's coming home from Kentucky. So uh, I'm going to probably spend the rest of the day working on it then. So nice. Plan, so, well, touch touch base again. Either you know maybe in the, in the in an episode next week or just you know just off air. Like I'm really curious to see what you think of how it ends. Um, because when I think of my favorite television shows of all time. Um, I know you think it's Lost. Lost is not my favorite television show of all time. Uh, it's actually Leftovers. Leftovers on HBO is, is, is one of my favorite. It's, is, I think, my favorite of all time. But Lost is definitely up there because um, I like shows that, again, are character-driven but also have a lot of weirdness to them. Um, but Leftovers is number one. Maniac is immediately, immediately top five for me all time Like, and might even be higher than top. I might be underselling it. It might be two or three. Um, because that's how much I enjoyed it. I, I almost watched it. If I, if it wasn't one 30 in the morning or something like that, whenever my wife and I stopped watching on Friday night I would, and I wasn't tired cause I worked during the day and everything, I would have kept going. I was so engrossed by it. Um, now I know that some people like, uh, like think it's, it's trying to be too clever or trying to be too smart. Like, I don't think so. I really don't, but I'll say that this is an amazing show for for if you want to put like a little bit of work into it. But I but I do think you need to put a little bit of work into it. I don't think this is the type of show that you can kind of just lean back like a CSI or you know or, or like an, like any of these constant regular doctor shows or cop shows and just sort of sit back and sort of do something else, kind of look at your phone and and watch at the same time and still get what's going on. You do need to pay attention, um, and I do think you're rewarded for for it. So, but it's such a good show and. Um, yeah, I cannot recommend it highly enough. It, it of all the things that we have we have broken down, this is hands hands down my favorite thing we've done. Uh, it was so good. So Maniac, uh, it's up on Netflix, all ten episodes right now. Uh, they run between twenty six and about forty eight or forty nine minutes long. Um, but if you the first two are probably the slowest, but boy does it pick up and it gets really weird and it gets really fun. Lots of crazy things and some great performances. So Delirium, or excuse me, not Delirium, Maniac, getting ahead of myself. Maniac, excellent, excellent, excellent show. And now it's time for the Gentleman's Challenge. All right, so the Gentleman's Challenge is one of the segments we do here on the Lollygaggers podcast where Justin and I like to drive the other a little bit crazy. Uh, we do that by assigning the other some kind of TV show or movie to watch or a game to play that might be outside of our usual purview. Uh, we do this sometimes to 
just punish the other person for just being a brat during the week, or we do it to introduce them to something brand new uh, that they might find interesting. And then to ensure that we did our assignments, we come back in the next episode and we quiz each other about it. Justin usually fails those quizzes. I usually pass them. We'll see if that stays the same. Uh, so this week, I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh, so Justin, last week, assigned me Delirium. Uh, it is a uh, 2018 psychological thriller slash horror movie directed by Dennis Iliadis, and it stars Topher Grace. Uh, what was his name? Eric? Eric Foreman? The guy from Eric the- Foreman. Yeah, that's on the show. Yeah, Topher Grace. I feel like Justin assigned me this. Not because he really knew anything about the movie, but just because he saw Topher Grace was in it. He's like, here we go. I'm just going to give him a Topher Grace. Yeah, it's, it's literally just, I saw Topher Grace. And I was like, let's just do it. What was that one movie he was in with uh, with Dennis Quaid and Scarlett uh, Johansson? That was way back oh, in the day. In, in Good Company. I like that movie. Did you really? I thought that company. I thought that. I thought Scarlett Johansson. Bad. That was my favorite. Well, you're Scarlett you're Johansson. in love with Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. But that particular Scarlett Johansson is my favorite Scarlett Johansson from that movie. Okay. I don't know what that so means. Real. Uh, She's just so beautiful in that film. You're 100%. really creeping me out. I know. I but so creeped out. I, I, think, you need, I think you just need to delete all of that right there. Sorry. No, no, no. Keep Go ahead it in. and edit Keep all it that in. out. You're so creepy. Keep it in. Anyway, back to Delirium. Uh, so, okay, the basic premise is that Topher's character, Tom Walker, uh, at the start of the film, gets released from a mental institution after serving 20 years for his role in the murders of two young women uh, that he did as a, as a kid. Uh, murders that were committed, technically committed, by his brother Alex, but which, his older brother, but which Tom actually witnessed and was unable to stop. Uh, we learn later that Tom was actually handcuffed to a pole or a railing or something like that. Uh, for the first one uh, that Alex kind of forced, and the second one he wasn't even around. Uh, now he gets released, Tom gets released, into the custody of Patricia Clarkson's Brody. Now, I still don't like Patricia Clarkson, not because she's a bad actress, she's an amazing actress, because she was in Sharp Objects, and she was the mother in Sharp Objects, and oh my god, she, I, I can my skin still crawls from how amazing her performance was and just how awful her character was. Anyway, she is Tom's uh, parole officer, um, who's overseeing Tom's 30-day house arrest. Um, now, the house that he's staying in was his childhood home, but it's now his house because he's inherited it from his father, who just committed suicide five days before Tom's release from this asylum. So I should mention, too, that tr- Tom also has some trouble distinguishing the real from the imaginary. Uh, so so much that the psychiatrist that he was seeing inside the mental hospital prescribes him this kind of antipsychotic meds uh, that his parole officer, for some reason, takes away from him, which I don't really think that makes sense, uh, and teaches him kind of this basic mantra of trust your brain, not your eyes, right? So if at any, any point, like, you think you're seeing something that's not supposed to be there, well, then trust that your brain knows that and don't worry about what your eyes are seeing. Uh, so this doesn't really bode well for Tom because he's trapped in this house for 30 days because he can't leave and he's not allowed to have anyone over. Uh, his mother is gone out of their lives for 20 years since shortly after their son's arrest. She abandoned the family. Uh, and Tom's brother, Alex, is rotting away in prison. This is all, at least so he thinks. Now, despite some initial elation at being released, uh, he begins to see things and things start going particularly bad. Uh, he sees a Doberman pincer that kind of wanders around the house but isn't actually there. He sees his father's dead corpse. Uh, on the ground but also walking around with a half-eaten face because it was eaten by the dog because apparently after the father's suicide he hadn't been found immediately and the dog started gnawing on him and then they put him to sleep or something 
Uh, there's a bunch of bumps in the night. There's creaky doors, etc. The type of things that you would expect to have instead of a very big mansion. It's a very big house. Uh, and now some of the design choices are really strange. Uh, there's a lot of sphinxes for some reason. Uh, there's this green room that had the lights on when he walked in, which didn't make sense, but whatever. Uh, editing problem, I think. Um, and he finds all sorts of weird stuff. So he finds like a hidden hallway uh, behind this uh, big armoire uh, with like this this hallway behind the wall that leads to bedrooms or at least like has peepholes that look into bedrooms and offices and stuff like that. So someone's like spying on them. Um, and he also finds these strange tapes with some kind of weird stuff going on kind of like snm or torture stuff going on there's a woman in the in the one of the videos uh who's got this weird like black box like strapped over her head um he finds a tongue uh in a jar inside of a circuit breaker box uh, for the uh, in, in indoor pool so it's all really strange um but again he's going through that mantra Trust your brain, not your eyes. Now, his only friend is a woman named Lynn, played by Genesis Rodriguez, who works at the local market and delivers groceries to him. Initially, it's just like fruity pebbles and, and milk and stuff like that. Um, but strangely enough, and I think this is completely, this is one of the frustrations I have in the movie. She takes a completely unbelievable and entirely suspicious interest in Tom, makes him like a mixtape or a mixed CD for him because he's wearing like a gin blossoms t-shirt and he's playing, uh, he's playing, uh, what's it called? Uh, was it not the dead presence presence? Yes. He's playing a, a lump, you know, the, or lump that lump song, whatever the hell I can't remember who it was by, but he was also had like Weezer. He had like a Weezer poster and he had like a Beck poster, a Beck mellow gold poster, man. That takes me back. I had a lot of those. Um, so like he's kind of out of date and so she makes him a, a a cd that she names after a color and she said this is my gray cd and like the very last song is a song by pink which is sort of weird so anyway um so eventually alex his brother shows up which is strange because the guy should be in jail um, we learn later that he was reported to have died in a prison fire but i guess he got out somehow as a way like he got out um, so tom thinks he's just imagining his brother for a while and the viewer is sort of uncertain, like, is this, is his brother real, is his brother not? Then it becomes fairly certain that it's really his brother, and he's like the villain, the really bad guy. Um, and we also learn some precise details about the murders. Basically, Alex, the bad guy, Tom's not. Um, he's sort of a victim in all of this to some degree, um, to some degree. Um, and we know that Alex is looking for money because apparently there's money hidden in the house somewhere. Um, as they wander the house looking for this money, things really escalate um, because it, they discover this hidden room beneath their indoor swimming pool, uh, which is really fun. Uh, and they find uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, and they kind of, you know, knock, knock. So Justin, I'm gonna tell you a joke. You ready? I'm gonna do a knock joke. Knock, right, joke. Right. Okay, knock, knock. Who's there? Uh, it's your mom trapped for 20 years beneath the pool because she's wanted to leave and she ain't got no tongue and she eats a lot of chicken noodle soup. That's, yeah. So now, you, now you repeat all of that and say who, right? Isn't that how it works? Never all mind. that. <laughs> so yeah they find their mother who apparently has been trapped and she's been responsible for a lot of the phone calls that he's been getting because i guess she was hungry and she hasn't been eaten since the father committed suicide etc so anyway alex kills her uh she, he kills the parole officer too he drowns beneath the pool because the pool breaks uh lynn and tom hold hands they leave the house and yeah whatever so that's this that's the that's the movie what did i think of it justin did you watch this whole thing i watched parts of it uh mm -hmm. it seems terribly made it's not bad, but it is not good. 
I, I just thought it was the production quality looks like something from like a TV movie. It was no, I thought it was okay. I thought the production quality was fine. Like I didn't think it was anything. I also, I mean, like one of the things that frustrated me was like their attempts at playing the videos early on that were supposed to be all difficult to see because their tapes and like the 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 actual tape was getting kind of weird. It was okay. There wasn't a whole lot of gore in it, like other than the father having a half-eaten face. The movie was fine. Um, I don't know if Topher Grace uh, alone in a, in a house is the best selling point for a movie. Uh, that's just me on that. Um, I don't understand why Lynn took such an interest in a guy who is in house arrest, just got released from a mental asylum and was there because he was complicit in the murders of two young girls. Uh, and I don't know why she, she did all that. I thought for the entire movie that she was somehow like going to help steal stuff from the house or try to drive him crazy or was maybe a relative of one of the girls that was killed or finding revenge on him but no 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 no. she just liked him which whatever like okay that doesn't make sense at all um i don't understand alex's obsession with money when they have like their father just died and left tom everything and so he's got the money he's got this big old mansion and basically all everything that the father had um father was a really bad dude by the way uh and I don't understand why the father put the mother's tongue in a jar and then put the jar in a circuit breaker. Um, I don't, I don't get that. Don't, uh, I don't understand why he did that. That's a really strange thing to do. Really strange. Uh, but overall it's fine. Like it's, it's, it's a movie that I will forget about. Um, I don't feel like I wasted my time watching it, but I also don't feel like I spent the time, in the best way possible. I feel like there are better movies, um, but they're also a lot worse that you can do. Um, I think in terms of the psychological thriller genre, it has some good moments, but it's also sort of indicative of a lot of these other types of movies that we've seen before. I don't really think it really breaks the ground and do, does anything particularly new, um, but it's okay. Like I don't, I wish I had something, I wish I could trash it and make this fun and interesting, or I wish I really liked it and could sing its praises. But unfortunately I'm like sort of in between. It's one of those types of types of movies that I feel I can't really do either. And so I don't know if I can make this super entertaining. So hopefully your, your quiz questions will. So uh, what do you got? One of them you already did. Um, It was, what did he find in the box behind the thermostat? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what, what do you find in there? In the box behind the thermostat. Oh, the you, are you talking about? You're talking about. Oh, it's. I don't think it's really a thermostat, but he found a jar. Wait, are you talking? Are you talking? When you say yeah, box yeah, behind yeah. a thermostat, you're talking about the jar with the tongue in it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it was, was, it was like behind a circuit break. It was a circuit breaker box for the timer, for like controlling the timer of the of the pool. Because like there was a cover for the pool. Okay. Something like that happened. But I think it might have actually had a thermostat too. Now that I think about it. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, there was that. You got that one. Um, so you got one. You got one correct. So you got that going for here. It's good. All right. One for second one. question. Can you name his pet or his stuffed animal dog? What was the name of his stuffed animal dog? It was Larry. Larry You're correct, Larry. sir. It was Mr. Larry. It was Larry indeed. It's true. Poor right. dog got its eyes ripped off at one point. Still not Poor sure dog. why that happened, but you know, whatever. It's just kind of a weird movie. Um, it's things that happen that just don't really understand why it happened. What did Tom and Lynn do when she came over the house before they started making out? So what were they doing? Like, can you describe the scene that was going on before they started making out when she came over to the house? Well, they were sitting on the couch 
and they were talking about like the bad stuff that happened in her life. So he kind of confided in her and told her about what actually happened, like the true full story about like how he witnessed, you know, his brother beat a girl to death uh, after like, I guess the girl didn't like turned him down or something like that when he wanted to date her or whatever. And then she told uh, him about how like she just didn't fit in and she tried to commit suicide and she showed her her wrist to him about how she tried to commit suicide so and then they made out after that so yeah that makes total sense what did they do this all while they're, while they're doing this they're also doing what hmm. oh eating uh drinking grape juice they're drinking yes. grape juice out of boxes yeah, yeah. Okay. drinking juice boxes that's yeah, what yeah. I was, that's what i was looking for so they're drinking okay. juice okay boxes. i got it sorry sorry got you, got there. There. Yeah. you got there all right, all right so there's state uh, last one. What's the combo of the safe? Uh, it was uh, October 7th, uh, and then it was the year, which was something like, oh, man, what year was it? I know it was 1007 was the phone number. I can't remember what the year was. Let's see. Let me do some math. 20 years ago. Carry the one. Oh, man. Uh, what year was it? October 7th, October 7th, something. When did they get married? I continue to not know. I'm just going to take a random guess and I'm going to put it somewhere. See, if he's somewhere in like his 30s right now, maybe early 30s, late 30s, he's been in there since his, like he was 15, and his 10, his 20 years. Hey, somewhere in the. 70s i don't know so 10 10 i don't know what was it uh you had it a while back i just wanted to hear you keep going oh okay uh, <laughs> so okay. the answer was uh one zero seven one zero zero seven so okay. uh, i wasn't sure if that thought no, maybe you, like the year was part of it i couldn't remember you had it right at the beginning but i wasn't gonna stop what you were doing you just wanted me to ramble you're a jackass it was going well so i liked it uh which is also one day away from my birthday which is very very Aww. weird this movie has such a well, weird connection. Soon. That's yeah. really soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, you got four out of four, my friend. It's about normal for you. It's time for me to lose nice. my quiz. So, okay. uh, bring it on. Bring I'm it on. I am super excited to hear what you think of and what was your assignment again? I had to watch Bleach. Yeah, you did. The, the, the live Netflix adaptation. version movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Bleach is a Netflix film, uh, live action starring. Uh oh boy. Uh these are all Japanese actors. <laughs> Minus one point for each name. All right. You don't pronounce correctly. One is Sota Fukushi, who plays Ichigo, who is the main uh the titular okay. character okay. of the movie. I'm, I'm gonna say um, that was okay. Then okay. Hana Sugisaki, who plays uh, uh Rukia, who is the female uh lead in this. I think that was pretty good too. Pretty solid, pretty solid. Right. Yeah, I, I'm 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 proud. I'm proud of you so far. Then you have Miyavi, who plays mm-hmm. uh Byakuya, who's the main villain of this film, and, sure, sure. and sort of things. So basically the idea is Ichigo is a young, handsome boy. Who uh, goes to high school and he all is quite handsome, by the way. He his is he, he's a good are guy. just the right place, like the he's, perfect he's a good place. Guy. I'll give it to him. He's handsome, uh, and he's like the swooner of the of the school. 
he as a child had a traumatizing experience where his mother uh died in front of him and he seems to have an ability to uh like converse with spirits and i guess a spirit known as a hollow uh killed his mother when they were he was just a child and so since that incident happened he can now communicate with the dead so there are spirits there are hollows there are things called uh quint i think they're called quintessence oh, something like that i know that's gonna be a question uh and it is now uh, and then uh, uh soul reapers so the idea is when he uh had this traumatic experience with this hollow he had the ability to communicate with the dead he has this traumatic experience with a with a hollow and basically hollow was a spirit that hasn't been brought to what they call the spirit society which they kind of like either can go to hell they can go to heaven or the spirit society where they can be put away they're just basically these spirits that are un, that are not un, in rest and they basically become like these demon style characters so he encounters a soul reaper the soul reaper is trying to save uh, his area like basically a hollow shows up by his house the soul reaper shows up to try and stop it he can recognize the soul reaper which is weird because humans can't see soul reapers and in the process he basically uh stands up to the hollow with her and in order to save them both she has to transfer his powers to him so when he transfers when she transfers her powers to him he then himself becomes a soul reaper and i guess his concentration of spirit is so high that he's almost like a chosen one where he's his sword's bigger than everybody else's and he uh, is very very powerful even though he has no training so she is stuck on his plane the human plane uh because he can't transfer her powers back and she can't return back to the spirit land until she gets the spirit society until she gets his powers back um bestowed under her her brother is like i guess the leader of the spirit society and there's a code and because she broke it she either has to kill him uh, ichigo or she has to die herself in order to be returned back to the spirit society and they're not okay with him surviving either because he's a human and he shouldn't have these powers uh yada 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 he fights spirits uh lots of rock music and uh in the end there's a big old anime style fight and he uh transfers his powers back to her she says when he does it he won't remember anything but then he kind of does it again so that's how the movie goes so what did i think of it i like this so much i love really? this movie nice. i I love this movie. I thought it was great. <laughs> I'm watching. I was so enthralled. I was like, this is fantastic. I'm a huge fan of anime. And I this makes me want to go watch the anime now. Even though I know the anime is like 500 episodes. I really, really liked it. I don't know how it stacks up against the original manga or the, the, the anime. But I thought it was fantastic. I thought the action was great. The music at times was a little meh, but it was I was pretty. Get... The, they lay the music on pretty thick sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like super Which, heavy metal metal music. Yeah, I was willing to get past that though because the action's fantastic. The fighting's great. The special effects, for it being a low budget, the Netflix uh, straight to Netflix type of film, I thought was really good. I don't know what the budget special effects. Was. The budget might have been decent, but I really liked the hollows. I thought the hollows looked pretty cool. Oh, great! The the yeah. final one, the uh, the what was it? The the bone what was it called 
I forget what it's called, the bone warder or whatever. Mm-hmm. The final one looked amazing, especially when it got all big and stuff. I I thought it was great. I I really liked it. I thought the acting was good. I enjoyed the lead. I thought the lead did a great job. I thought the female lead was very very good. The only thing, my only takebacks of the movie are the villains look so anime. It, I can't do that. That's that's too much. Um, like uh, her brother and the guy with the tattoos on his face. I was like, I can't. Mm-hmm. They were a little too much. But the 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 female and the, the the guy who played Ichigo, I thought they were fantastic. I loved them. So I I, I really was quite surprised by this. Cool. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, I definitely thought it was better than Full Metal Alchemist Adaptation. That's for sure. I also thought the action was fantastic. The fighting at the end was so good. Like the fight he had with with the hollow, the main hollow at the end, and then with uh, the redheaded guy. I thought it was all really good. I was like, I like this because I was afraid they were going to do the cheap way to do fight scenes now is lots of cuts really close, but they did like full full scene shots of them just going back and forth and doing sword play and stuff like that remind me of like a crouching tiger hidden dragon type of thing you know so i really liked the choreography i liked the fighting i thought it was really good and believable i was so surprised when i was watching this i was like i'm really entertained right now i also was surprised i have watched three of the live action adaptations of uh of anime death note uh full metal alchemist and bleach and this is by far the best like, like this was way better. I gave it to you with the hope that it was going to be bad. By the way, because uh, I hadn't watched it when I gave it to you, so I was just assuming it was going to be bad because the other two were so. I assume it was going to be terrible too. Full Metal Alchemist wasn't like horrible. Death Note was really bad. Full Metal Alchemist was just I don't know. But then just, if you like, if you they think put too about, many things into it, yeah. If you think about the content, right? Death Note was garbage, and that's the most like closest to realism, I guess, because it's just a guy writing in a book most of the time with a demon running around. <laughs> oh okay yeah. I, I mean there's not giant you know spirit thingies yeah yeah, yeah. reds and stuff fighting yeah, yeah and like uh there's also not homunculi running around or guys who can create fire with their hands and stuff and and, and this seemed like the most fantastical out of all of them yet it seemed the best it, it was so mm. good no maybe i was metal. just so yeah. surprised i was so surprised I, I was also very pleasant. To, I totally agree with you. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I liked it as much as you did, but I definitely found it enjoyable for sure. Like I, I, I definitely would I didn't, been watching it. I didn't dislike any moment of this film. Even the beginning when he was like beating up the guys over the spirit, I was like, all right, that's not bad. Uh, the art style was kind of uh, like hardcore emo-y too, but I was like, I don't care. It's, I don't like it. it's fine. So I enjoyed okay. it very much, and how it's just that people watch well, then, it, especially like animes. But of course, I, I also haven't watched the show, so people who watch the show might hate this. So I don't know. So since, well, I mean, it's got on. I'm looking at IMDb. It's got a 6.8 out of 10. And one of the reviews is like loving it, giving it 10. So that's pretty good. Um, all right. So since you watched it and enjoyed it so much, I mean, you're gonna crush this quiz. So I'm super excited I'm that, that, you're, that I'm gonna. I just I just want you to remind you. I I had a perfect score on my quiz. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll see how, let's see how it goes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and save that question. I'm going to go a little bit out of order than what I have. All right. What type of martial arts fighting were Ichigo and Rukia training to do? Like when like she was teaching uh, him to train. What was the name of the martial arts style that they were talking about? Wasn't it kunai? Oh, you're so not. Well, I mean, you're wrong. I mean, but you got the right first syllable. It's kendu. 
Oh, Bob. Poop. Sorry. That's 0 for Boop. 1. You're on the oh, right track, oh, but that's no for one. That's no for one. Kendo stars. You think I would know that because of all yeah. the big time wrestling I've watched in my life that I would know? Sure. I mean, they use sure. it all the time. Sure. Okay. So you've been referencing this, but you haven't quite gotten its name. What's the name of that that really strong hollow that they have to fight? Oh no. What's it called? What's it called, my friend? It's called nuts. It's called Google. Google search. What was it if called? you listen closely, you can hear the mechanical keyboard of Justin. Click, click. What, click. what was that <laughs> called? This oh, is it was like the... Hoping Google's auto finisher will, will give him the answer. It was like the bone warder or something, something like that. It was. I don't think that's the right one. Um, it's the Grand Fisher is what I'm looking for. Yeah, the bone, bone warder was the first one. Right, they, I'm they looking for the Grand Fisher, the big one at the end. So you were going, you're always kind of going the wrong direction. I felt really bad. The Bone Warder was the one that he cut his hand off and then sliced it in half. Yeah, but the answer, answer I was looking for was the Grand Fisher. Ah, uh, sorry. Okay. Well, I'm over two. We're about to over two. Normal. Over two. Over two. Um, all right. So, what does Rukia write to Ichigo in the book at the end? What is that little thing that she writes? Oh, my God. Say? Come on. Oh, my God, Justin. Come on. You really like this one. I was hoping you're going to do well. I thought it was like, stay stay silent or you will die. Oh, that's not right. But you're something along those lines. You're sort of, kind of, but not really. It's make a scene in your dead. Make a oh scene. It's almost. It's, listen, if we're, if we're talking in like, uh, what make is a it? Scene it's, in not, so, it's not. It's uh, not synonyms we're talking like uh uh i have a thesaurus version of it space are about. you having a stroke right now are you feeling yeah call somebody right now <laughs> what's going on bite on this wallet <laughs> why does the left side of your face uh, seem to be drooping down like it's a uh, like it's <laughs> like it's melting ice cream it's really strange uh all right uh gonna go back to one of my other questions what makes ichigo's sword so huge it's like his his spirit. What were they called? They called it his spirit. Pressure was so high. Oh, you're so close. It was his strong spiritual presence. I'm gonna give you half credit for that. I'm gonna give you half credit for that because okay, you got okay. spirit. You said pressure was incorrect. Right? Strong spiritual presence. Uh, how strong is your spiritual presence, Justin? Do you? Yeah, never mind. It's not talking. A very about very small sword. Anyway, <laughs> I have very strong spiritual presence. Uh, all right, and then final question. You're sitting on a half. Come on, you got to get this one. Uh, what is the significance of the title Bleach? Like, why? Why is it? Why is it called Bleach? I also don't know. Is it because when mm. I, I don't know? I tried. I, I asked that to myself at the end. I'm like, why is this called Bleach? Is it because when she, when he transfers it back, it it wipes him clean. Is that what it is? I, I thought that might have been it. Well. I was asking because I was hoping maybe you would have done an ounce of research, like a quick little Google search, maybe because you thought, but then you didn't Google search it. And, you know, I feel like a little bit outside of research isn't too much to ask. No one really knows, but the, the, <laughs> the main the main theory that people go with, and this seems to be the most widely accepted theory, and this is what I was going for, uh, was that it's because the dude who created the manga, uh, I can't remember the name, Kubo, um, was a big fan of Nirvana, and their first album was Bleach. 
and that's it. That's a true story. I'm not here to look that up. Uh, that's that's the answer. You gotta find well, that. I just assumed that maybe you would have been asking the same question, like, "Why the hell is it called bleach?" They didn't mention bleach. At I all. legitimately no thought bleach, that. Yeah, really I thought maybe bleach. you'd Google it and look it up. I thought, you know, intellectual curiosity. At the end of the movie, I'm like, "Why is this bleach? Uh, what?" Uh, your 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 mind was in the right place. You just didn't follow through. Oh, it's a shame. This is really, honestly, man, I'm super disappointed. Uh, you liked it, which was really exciting. Uh, it was a good movie, surprisingly, which was really exciting. And you got a point five out of five, like. You know, not all of us are meant to be champions. I get it. Some of us are the Browns of the world. I, so. Well, the Browns, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> okay. New quizzes. You ready? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Okay, what do you got? On Hulu, I thought I kind of would go with the same kind of idea. There is a graphic novel that was turned into a movie uh, called I Kill Giants, and it's on Hulu. Giants. Okay. So you're going to watch I, I Kill Giants on Hulu. I have no idea whether to be frightened or curious. Uh, okay. I, I don't know if it's any good or not, so you can watch it. Okay. All right. So um, when our next, not this episode, but when our next episode drops, we are going to be in the month of October. It'll Ooh. be dropping specifically on October 1st. Spooky. So throughout the course of October, I am going to be giving you nothing but horror movies All from right. across so many different decades, so so much different variety. I'm going to start with, and they're going to be ones that you've, you've probably never seen and some you might never have heard of uh, because I am a, I'm a connoisseur, my friend. Right. Uh, so, no, not really. I'm, I'm, I just I thought this was a cool film. Uh, so you're going to, for the first one, you're going to watch the 1957 film, <laughs> Night of the Demon, also known as Curse of the Demon, not to be confused with the 1980 version or 1980 movie Night of the Demon. So it's specifically the 1957 film. You can actually find this on YouTube. So we don't have to go ahead and watch it. It's called Night of the Demon. It's actually a good movie, dude. It's good. Okay. It's older. It's 1957. I know it's going to freak you out because it's black and white. <laughs> but uh, where's the yeah. colors at? You're like, well, I don't understand. Why is everything black and white? It's very strange. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I want you to remember that this was made in 1957. So if you could do me a favor, and not assess it using the kind of the values of modern day filmmaking and just just accept the fact. Where's all the Transformers at? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Let's close this up. Uh, you can find us up on the old interweb at uh, webs. There's just one. There's just one web. It's just a really big one. I guess that sort of makes sense. Is it web or webs? Is it interweb or interwebs? Which one is it, Justin? Should I, be, should I make a plural? Are you having this stroke now? Is that what's happening? No, right now? I'm not. I'm just, I'm just, uh, just, um, just guessing. All right, you can find us on the internet if you want to be like that uh, at lollygaggerco.com. Uh, you can also catch me up on Twitter at lollygaggerco. Uh, say hi. Uh, shoot me some idea if you got a, ho a horror movie that you think uh, I should have Justin watch over the course of October. Uh, let me know. That'd be that'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, and if you could, if you're a person who listens and you haven't yet left us a review on the wonderful iTunes. Uh, we would surely appreciate it if you could take the time to do so. Uh, it definitely helps out. Uh, but if not, you're just listening, uh, whatever you're listening on, give us a like or give us a review. Give us something like that. It really helps uh, with, you know, kind of getting the, the, the podcast out there. Uh, Justin, you streaming? You streaming? Yeah, I sure am. I just got done before I came here. Uh, okay. You can find me on twitch.tv slash jehufe. Um, that's J-E-H. Oh, wait, hold on. J E F. Oh, oh, that's totally not right. It's J E H. Uh, J E H. Jehoof. Oh my God. J E H O O F H. Got it. Jehuva. Uh, TV. That's Jehuva. Hit me, hit me up there anytime, and uh, you can watch me play video games terribly. 
<laughs> You're the worst. Do that anytime. You're the worst. You're the worst. Oh man. Okay. Let's let's thank some people. You ready? Yeah. I got, I got some long ones. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Here we go. I want to thank the U.S. Postal Service and specifically the guy who drives the Jeep in my neighborhood. And I want to thank him for ruining my driveway by doing U-turns in it during the repaving process that my neighbor has been undergoing when he was specifically instructed by various signs and construction crews not to drive in this area and not to drive in the driveways. And so we now have tons of uncleanable tire marks in our driveway. Uh, it's like a, a, like a piece of art and he's like a piece of shit. So thanks. <laughs> I... I would like to gotcha, thank. Gotcha. I would like to thank uh, my uh, current guild uh, that I've been raiding with. It's been very, very fun, and they've uh, all gone online and gone to my Twitch channel and subscribed to it and followed it. So my numbers have like jumped twice of what they normally are. So I want to thank all them for being so supportive of me. So thank yeah, you. No freaking listen to the podcast, dude. I want to take a moment here to thank Frozen Fruit Smoothies. Uh, without which I would never have met my wife, Melissa, whose birthday it will be when this episode drops. Um, so we met in college while working for Freshens and we flirted by throwing frozen raspberries and strawberries at one another while wearing terrible Hawaiian shirts. It was uh, really quite romantic. So anyway, uh, thanks frozen fruit smoothie stations and happy birthday, wife. Finally, I'd like to thank Baker Mayfield. Um, Dude, I, I just... I I just really want to thank him so, so much, much. Oh, I hate you right now. for what he's done for me this past week the funniest part about this whole thing is that at the job i work at everyone knows me as just the guy who likes the browns and everyone's just like you having a good day i'm like you know it so uh baker mayfield i'm gonna give you a kiss right on the lips thank you <laughs>